Hey there! Are you tired of waiting for the next episode of It's Probably Not Aliens? Well, we've got some good news for you. On Nebula, our streaming service, you can get access to all our episodes a week early. That's right, you'll never have to wait again to hear Scott and I debunk the latest ancient astronaut theory or get a movie fact wrong. But that's not all. Nebula is home to dozens of content creators we know you like, so you can find all your favorites in one place. Plus, we post content on there that you won't find anywhere else. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and listen to the next episode right after this one. Hello, everybody. Uh, before we get into the goofs, and there's plenty of goofs to be had in this episode, I just want to take a moment to express uh, my deep sadness over the tragic death of a poor teenage girl in the United Kingdom by the name of Brianna Gay, who was murdered in a hate crime recently for the crime of being transgender. Mm. Uh, the world's a little bit less bright having someone like her taken from this world so soon and over such an evil part of humanity. So as part of this, I've donated a little bit of money to the nonprofit Mermaid which is a UK-based charity which uh, explicitly works to help uh, transgender children. And uh, if you have a few bucks, recommend that you do too. Yes, we'll have the links to that in the description. Uh, any help helps. And this is just this is just a, a tragedy. Now, now in an extremely quick turn of tone. I can break the tension, I think, because I have a prop today. Oh, okay. That works really well in an audio medium. But um, yeah, yeah. It's like an audio Karatoff. prop. Audio it's prop. an audio prop. You'll okay. hear it. Here's, the, here's me breaking the tension. Breaking news. We have breaking news, everyone. Oh, my goodness. This is an emergency podcast. Yes. See, I couldn't. I've, I have a soundboard, but I haven't figured out how it works. So, so I have a just physical, bring an audio prop. I have a physical bell. You've got like a bell. You've got an air horn just lying around. Like you know, you're ready. <laughs> I don't ready. have an air horn, but I should. You've got like those things you wave around that make the clicking sound. Absolutely. But today we are here to talk about a very serious threat to humankind. Uh, that one that has been threatening us almost since the beginning. Yeah. Balloons. Balloons. How do they work? Dangerous threat. Man's greatest mm -hmm. enemy. What are their weaknesses? None. They have none. none. They have a vulnerability and to piercing damage. <laughs> No, we uh we had originally a different episode planned, but this has been on our radar and also on physical radar, I guess, Ooh. on literal radar. Uh for a couple weeks now, information is changing, so we are doing an emergency episode yeah. right now about balloons and all the balloon sightings and balloon shenanigans. Yeah. If you haven't heard about them, uh there's a lot going on, a lot more than I realized. Yeah going on and i've been trying to keep up with it yeah 538 emergency pods get screwed this is gonna be way better um so uh but i guess before we go um this is a podcast called it's probably not aliens which is going to be one of the most literal um <laughs> things that we've had to uh, do for this podcast but basically um when you're listening to a normal non-emergency podcast we usually talk about pseudo history pseudo archaeology and the ancient astronaut theory or ufo stuff 
And um, we normally don't have a news beat because talking about UFO UFOs don't come up in the news super often until uh, this past week or so when I guess we've been invaded by unidentified flying objects in various places across the United States and Canada. Yeah, there's and this is this is why we're doing the show, because now we're you and I. This is very Watchmen esque, Tristan. You're in Canada. I'm in America. Always, always butting heads, us two countries. But now we're united. We have a united front against these balloons. This you balloon menace. America and Canada, best friends now against the uh, the balloon monstrosities out there. Yes. Yeah, originally we were going to do a Q&A episode this week, uh, which if you missed our shout out to get some questions into us for that episode, then good news, there's still time. So if you just go to probsnetaliens.com, there's a form at the bottom where you can ask us questions. We're going to do a Q&A episode maybe next week, but... We have to get unless this out. More things, unless another UFO-related emergency pod has to happen. We have to get this out. We also have another already finished episode about the Phoenix Lights from 1997 that is already up on Nebula for you to listen to. So this is just going to be an emergency feed drop and everything will be back to normal in the next <laughs> week or so. And we'll be back on our regular thing. But we got to cover this. What's happening with these balloons, Tristan? Yeah, so there's been some balloons that have been uh, floating uh, menacingly over uh, parts of the United States, especially the Arctic, uh, that have been causing airspace to get shut down for uh, them to scramble jets to fire uh, very expensive jets, firing very expensive missiles to take down these unidentified flying objects spotted over top of uh, various places. I think there's up to, I think there's four of them. Uh, There was one that uh, got shot down over the Carolinas. There's one that got shot Mm -hmm. down over uh, the Yukon Territory. One that got shot down over Lake Erie. And was it Lake Huron? Sorry, Lake Huron. And uh, and one over Alaska. So what's going on? What are these flying objects? What are they? Yeah. Is this it? Is this the aliens? Um, uh, Because Giorgio Sukalos apparently on Twitter believes that they are. No, he said something about it. I, I have, I'm not I'm not seeing that firsthand um, because I don't want to look at him. But um, <laughs> and we're we're both trying to stay off of Twitter. Yeah, uh, but uh, but I have been I've been told that there's a lot of UFO people, including Giorgio, who have been like, "This is it." And because UFO people have a very short memory when it comes to these falsifiable claims, this is not going to destroy his career or anything like that. But Scott, no, is no, this no. it? Are we having first contact right now over Tobermory, Ontario? Maybe. Maybe. Did the aliens send us balloons? Is it a celebration? Is it a threat? Some sort of celestial birthday that we missed out on. (laughs) We missed. Yeah. And this is their passive aggressive reminder. Uh, I'm going to get into it. I, I So so um, first of all, I just want to start with a disclaimer that um, this story is incredibly hot and there's a lot of things that are going on, yeah. a lot of explanations for what's happening and a lot of accusations flying around. Uh, so a lot of what we're reporting is just what people are saying uh, because there hasn't really been a lot of independent research because that takes time and resources, time and resources that we Uh, we haven't had at the moment. So at the end of the day, I will try to make some heads or tails of what I think happened, but keep in mind that this is very early days. This is very speculative. And 
our only real sources to go by are basically two countries yelling at each other. Yeah. And but I mean, and we are recording this on a Thursday. It'll come out on a Tuesday. There might be more information between those days that we may not have right now. Mm -hmm. So bear with us as we try to cover cover this developing story. This is like our first like news. It's true. Sort of the UAP one came kind of close. But even then, that was like a year off. Um, So mankind has always loved his balloons. But what happens when the balloons say no more? Um, (laughs) When the balloons have had enough. It's time for them to fight back. So, so I have a, I have two pieces of context that we need to understand to kind of get what's going on. Mm-hmm. The first is why are there so many balloons in the air? That's a lot, a lot of people. I think that's like the first question. Like, like wow, there's first question. How is it that there's there's all these incidents? Uh, there's a lot. Did the old man from Up get shot out of the sky? Oh my god! Balloon- <laughs> come back. I, we'll never know. The missiles just flying at him, and there's like this like pause while he has just this memory, and he's like, "I'm coming to see you again, Martha, or whatever her name is." And then just boom. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing is that balloons have actually been part of warfare for a long time, mostly for reconnaissance. The idea that in the past people flew balloons over battlefields in order to get the bird's eye view of things, to get information mm-hmm. and draw battlefield maps is pretty old. It has uh, the first recorded incident is actually as far back as the French Revolutionary Wars in the 18th century. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. Are these like hot air balloons or? Yeah, basically. Or, or yeah, because, yeah, we didn't really have a lot of helium back then. They used some hot air balloons in warfare in Avatar, The Last Airbender. That makes sense. Firebenders can do that kind of thing. Uh, so the first was used for intelligence collection, but also balloons in the past have been used to carry things that could catch fire uh, called incendiary balloons. Oh. Uh, sometimes even for combat, they would have small bombs on them. That was one uh, phenomenon that I did get some pushback in an episode recently about how the Japanese during World War II did put bombs on balloons. And there was exactly one case where some people were killed by that. So balloons with bombs on them are not an uncommon phenomenon. Balloons that are meant to be spying or meant to be spycraft or for reconnaissance have all been part of the thing. And we've all played balloons tower defense where you have to have monkeys shoot balloons because the balloons are menacing. This is you know a, that game. Uh, this is uh, this is guys. Uh, I want you all to be very nice to Scott. He doesn't play a lot of video games, so he's trying very hard right now. I'm trying really hard. You know, balloons tower defense. Everyone knows balloons tower defense. <laughs> it's a classic. The classic. So and, and another case in America is that the Civil War uh, actually had balloons used for reconnaissance and communication because you can put oh. signals and stuff like that on them. Or just like shout really loud from the sky. Yeah, yeah just hey, down there. Hey, there's some fighting happening. Yeah, I know. We're in a war. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm very vulnerable up here. <laughs> uh, in the late 19th century, military ballooning started to evolve. Technology allowed for more sophisticated balloons and equipment to get used. They started to do things like put cameras and telegraphs on the balloons that were able to give more accurate and detailed information. Uh, the, the peak was probably World War One. See, I don't know how much Americans learn about World War One because... Not a ton. At one point, my wife turned over and she was like, Tristan, what was World War One? Because, yeah. I mean, know it happened because of a drive-by, right? Uh, Franz Ferdinand Kind of, yeah. He was assassinated by a Serbian nationalist uh, named Gabriel yeah. Princip. 
Uh, I know it had chemical warfare. Mm -hmm. It was the first use of gas warfare against people. Uh, Trench foot. Yeah. Uh, long story I short, bits, I know bits and pieces. Yeah. Long story short, uh, Europe spent a lot of time developing uh, their military technology to the point where their defensive capabilities were a lot stronger than their offensive capabilities. And when the war started, they clashed into each other, built these trench lines, and then barely moved for four straight years as they tried to find anything that they could develop to uh, break that trench balance, mm. uh, including things like gas warfare and right. uh, and uh, and things like um, like fighter planes but also uh that basically the thing that broke the meta was tanks tanks sort of killed uh trench warfare so tanks because i know we've talked about before that planes were pretty new yes at the time yeah the wright brothers also pretty new tanks didn't exist at the beginning of the war they were invented during the war extremely new yeah uh yeah tanks didn't even show up until like the last year of the war and it was huge they basically broke the entire meta but yeah the wright brothers was like 1912 and world war one was 1914 but also balloons were used to uh track movements uh artillery played a pretty large role in World War One and being able to accurately track where to aim those because they could fire like kilometers away from where you fired. So you needed to have like spotters mm. to basically point to like where they needed to go so they could do the math to, to, to aim them. Oh, cool. And, uh, and also just warn of early attacks. And um, also they could be used to transport goods and messages and people across the battlefields. It's like, hey, we need to get you over there. We're going to put you in this balloon. <laughs> get in this balloon. It's going to be terrifying for a little bit it'll be fine it'll be fine machine guns haven't been invented oh wait yes they have have fun (laughs) see you later bye bye have fun being lifted into the sky where no human is supposed to be yeah um after world war one though military balloons started to decline because aircraft and other sort of innovations started to make them less relevant things like radar and and such um, but they still had a few little bits of purposes during warfare, specifically for uh, training pilots, but also to uh, do weather stuff. Because, you know, knowing weather the, balloons. Yeah, weather balloons uh, started playing a big role in understanding like when to plan things. And as war became more of a, a thing of logistics and planning, then it became about like tactics and battles. Um, knowing things know like the weather was fight. a pretty big deal. We needed to know when to fight the weather. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. day we will defeat the weather. We're working on it. We're, we're, we're warming up the planet and one day we will defeat yeah. weather once and for Take all that weather <laughs> although i think weather's winning um yeah sort of a backlash on us yeah and in modern times also uh balloons have fallen out of favor because of the use of drones and satellites that have taken over most of their functions though i will say that that is changing uh darpa has looked into the possibility of using balloons to do non-line of sight communications so basically to uh radio people in a way that you can't directly communicate with them so you bounce it off of you relay off of these balloons oh interesting and also you know you can uh, communicate with aircraft that way between the ground and the air and also they're just a lot cheaper than drones because drones uh well I don't want to go too much into dr- how drones work, but America, mm. uh, the way America makes drones, America went for the uh, very big, very expensive drones. Have to. Yeah, that's um, our thing. Yeah. Big and expensive. We love that here. While like right now we're sh- we're seeing in the war in Ukraine, the, the extremely effective use of swarm drones, which are very cheap, but plentiful drones that are just bombs in and of themselves um, because oh. those have been developed by the Iranians who have been developing basically a way to 
to defend themselves from an American invasion since the 1970s. So very, this is, this is very tangential, but like the Iranians have a whole plan to the point where every single time the Americans do war games to try and uh, anticipate what a fight with the Iranians would be using their technologies, which involves like cheap self-destructing drones and basically missiles uh, that are fired from like small boats and those two mm-hmm. things uh, basically destroy the American air and Navy. Um, turns out that the most expensive and the biggest isn't always the best. Either way. No. Uh, but balloons are a lot cheaper and also uh, not in the sense of military sense, but they are also um, coming in as a climate change based alternative for air travel. So people are thinking about like oh. using balloons to send uh, to travel, although a slower but a much more environmentally friendly way of traveling, especially for things like uh, in this was this was proposed here in Canada because Canada has a lot of uh, remote indigenous communities that mm-hmm. don't have roads for a good chunk of the year because part of the way to get there on car involves driving over uh, like rivers and stuff like that while they're frozen. Oh, and those rivers are getting less reliably frozen and people's needs for supplies hmm. seem to the weather continue again. all the time. The weather's fighting back at yeah. us. Uh, and so sending stuff through balloons to those places is actually, uh, you know, a, a way to do that. Like, for example, we have an entire city, Iqaluit, that has like 30,000 people living in it that you actually cannot get to via highway. There is no road that gets there, huh. which means that you end up with things like watermelons costing $30. Oh, and yeah, so that's a lot. Finding finding ways to more efficiently send things to these sort of remote locations is 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 resulting in balloons getting another look. Maybe the Hindenburg didn't ruin it after all. I love it. Do you think everyone will have their own personal balloon? And we can only hope. All, yeah, balloons for days. Uh-huh. That's what I think. Although not right now, maybe not right now. Maybe if you have a balloon, maybe don't yeah, get in don't. it and fly right now. Yeah, it's not some that, stuff's been happening. It's uh, too soon for there's been some balloon related tragedies. Furthermore, the other thing that's important to mention for this uh, context of this situation is that China and America are not doing so good together. Not best friends like America and Canada right now? No, no, no. Which is strange because actually America and China have enjoyed decades of a rather fruitful relationship ever since uh, the United States recognized China in in the 1970s. It's actually one of the few good diplomatic moves done by Richard Nixon. All right. Good, good, good job, Nixon. Yeah. That's um, a that's a phrase I don't know if I would have said. There was sort of a falling out between China and the Soviet Union, and the U.S. was like, "Hey, what if we took? What if we like took China? Like, what if China and us became came buddies?" To the point where like it's it's worked out really well. But that is starting to change, and it was sort of inevitably going to change because. Uh, China is very quickly eclipsing the United States as the world's largest economy. It's Uh-oh. predicted they're going to have bigger, more expensive drones, and we can't have that. Yeah. yeah, well, we could we could talk about their relative military power. There's some interesting stuff going on there. But um, but basically, the prediction is that by 2035, the Chinese uh, GDP is going to surpass the American, which is uh, when it comes to superpowers is always a problem. Mm. There's a growing challenge to American hegemony in Asia. America does have its very loyal sort of subject nations that it keeps as a bulwark against Chinese influences of things like uh, like 
Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, but uh, in a lot of countries in Asia, um, like places like Russia and Saudi Arabia, uh-huh. and uh, and a lot of other countries have um, started to shift their center of influence away from the United States and towards China. And when you have one empire waxing and the other one waning, you are inevitably going to have some sort of confrontation between those two powers. And it's going by the uh, name of the Second Cold War. Yeah, I could have seen that coming. All right. We got a Cold War coming. This is this is a hard part to like some people are calling it a Second Cold War. Some people are also calling the conflict between the US and Russia as a Second Cold War, although I would say that Russia as sort of a close to Chinese ally that thinks it can act against US hegemony is sort of more of a front of this China Cold War. But either way, that's... So is the, is the second Cold War happening currently or are people projecting that it will happen? Most people have considered that it pretty much started in uh, the early Trump administration and has sort of been gotcha. uh, escalating since. But um, both America and China have been preparing for years for the... Ine- when, when, one, when one economy was stagnating and the other one was was growing immensely, it was inevitable that they would come to a clash. And so both have been preparing for decades for things like this. Um, They've been stockpiling their balloons. mm -hmm. (laughs) And the main, and so that means there's a lot of like strategic uh, competition going on. There's a lot of espionage happening. There's a lot of uh, economic and military technological developments that are happening uh, for and against each other. China is planning on going to the moon in the 2030s. Okay. If we're wondered why America is all of a sudden so much more interested in going to the moon lately. Um, I was going to say, we sort of forgot about the moon there for a little bit. Yeah. And now we're like, moon's awesome. Remember mm-hmm. the moon? Yeah. Ever since the Chongha program in, uh, in China, ever since they were planning on building a moon base in the 2030s, then all of a sudden America is super invested in going back to the moon. There's also been a lot of stuff with uh, with uh, semiconductors, sort of the, the the stuff that's at the core of computers that make them work, as um, both are sort of fighting over strategic resources of rare earth minerals and silicon and things like that. Uh, artificial AI. intelligence, yeah. like <laughs> science in general, 5G, quantum computing, all of these like breakthrough technologies, both countries are trying to uh, develop as fast as possible in order to get an edge over each other in sort of a technological arms race. The volume that they use on uh, Mandalorian, that that's for warfare, I assume. I can only assume. Like, I mean, there was t- there was ideas that it was going to come before Trump, but the Trump administration really sort of ramped it up as uh, America's strategic focus was more focused on Russia before then. And um, Trump wasn't super interested in provoking conflict with Russia. So China became the main focus of his uh, administration's wrath, um, which led to a lot more competition and a breakdown of relationships. Anyways, there's been a lot of like fighting over technological development, a lot of like stuff coming up about uh, securing supply chains. Uh, right now, America's uh, supply chain is very dependent on Chinese manufacturing. And very much so. The Biden administration is working really hard to try and develop an independent supply chain for critical stuff independent of China, which is going to be quite an ask. Um, yeah, holy cow. And so, yeah, this is just um, part of the context of what's going on when all of this went down, that there is a distinctive situation where two superpowers are more and more looking eye to eye at each other, realizing that, you know, there's only room for one of us in the long term. And Mm -hmm. uh, that is leading to all sorts of like very complicated geopolitics and stuff going on. So 
in all of that, all of that behind the scenes context, suddenly as we look to the sky, there's a floating thing that we're trying to what is that yeah is it a bird is it a plane is it superman no it's it's a balloon yeah so So what happened let's talk about the balloon uh this is a pretty the first balloon was pretty big uh it Mm -hmm. was it had this technology bay that was probably the size of two or three school buses and had 16 solar arrays on it as its payload and was probably about 61 meters long or 200 feet like we're looking at something that's like almost like half the size of the statue of liberty like that kind of uh, oh my gosh yeah Yeah, it's it's, a big ass balloon uh probably weighed about 910 kilograms or 2,000 pounds what it weighed a literal ton how did it stay in the sky? Helium's a hell of a thing. Apparently it had propellers on it and showed that it had some abilities to steer and to move uh, just because studying it, they realized that it could not, like that it didn't necessarily uh, just kind of like float the wind. the wind. Yeah, it could, yeah. It could, it could, it could, well, it was following the wind, but it could steer. It could move itself a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they did some flybys to look at it, uh, to give it an idea of what it could be. Uh, they flew some U2s by it to see what it, it was. And they saw that it had a lot of antenna on it which implies that it was probably something called signal intelligence gathering which is basically putting a thing with a bunch of antennas that's designed to intercept signals and listen to communications between two different parties it's a pretty gotcha. standard part of electronics warfare um yeah just ha- hack hacking into those signals mm-hmm. just get just getting them yeah intercepting seeing what's out there although what that the, the main thing though is that it didn't really have enough power to do a broad spectrum listening so we're not mm. exactly sure what it was particularly particularly looking for because it wouldn't have been able to it didn't have enough power to be able to do that all the time okay and uh they were able to pretty confidently figure out where it was manufactured and like how it was picked up because the people's liberation army does have uh some records of like their purchasings and stuff like that and there's a lot of evidence that they bought the things needed to make such a thing uh not too long Mm. ago because uh, and they did it through a Chinese manufacturing corporation because in China, because China is quote unquote communist, there's like private corporations that are still are highly integrated into their military that um, it's very like, like the line between pri- public and private is very murky in a lot of Chinese uh, okay. things because that's just that's how their economy works. Um, you gotta do they gotta take a you ever watch that show Dexter like with uh, with Michael C. This, Hall yeah the serial killer guy I watched a few seasons of that yeah they gotta they gotta take a, a page from his book where he was like when I go and get murder supplies I also throw in random stuff so like yes I'm gonna go get some tarp to make sure the blood doesn't get anywhere but I'm also gonna get life vests and then no one questions me they're gonna be like well this guy didn't he's not up to murdering he has life vests those are for saving hmm. and then he puts so, them on facebook marketplace yeah and he just uh, and he sells the light he probably has like a shed full of life vests this guy <laughs> you're like there's just like one person at the store who's like how does this guy lose his like life vests like every other week what is he doing with these life vests mm-hmm. um so when it comes to balloons what makes them very useful for this particular kind of uh intelligence gathering is that they are very hard to detect with radar 
They have very small radar cross sections to the point where they have about the same size as like their radar like profile is about as big as a small bird. They, okay. They also don't emit any infrared, which means that anything about like anti-aircraft guns or missiles or anything like that really can't target them because infrared's often used for, you know, uh, targeting and homing in on aircraft. Right. So all of that, all of that is to say that this was a thing. The military knew about it. They were studying it to try and see what was going on. And then on February 1st, people. So, yeah, you were saying the government already knew about it. Military already knew about it. But the first time that a civilian saw Mm -hmm. it was February February 1st. 1st. Yes. Uh, that same day, uh, the former editor of the Billings Gazette, a guy by na- by the name of Chase Doak, saw it above uh, Billings, Montana. And after seeing the reports that the airspace around Billings was closed, he assumed that it was uh, a UFO. He contacted his friend mm. who was a uh, photographer for the Gazette, and the two uh, took pictures with telephoto lenses, getting some pretty decent pictures of, of this thing and sent it to uh, government agencies. The photos then got published in the Billings Gazette and uh, got from there widespread media coverage. And every this is when everybody started talking about it. This is when every, everyone started hearing about it. About it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When that happened, the US DOD and the Canadian uh, Department of National Defense had to announce on February 2nd that NORAD, which is basically NORAD is basically like the organization that protects North American airspace. Um, oh, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it's called the North American North Aerospace American. Defense Command. So it's yeah. a joint thing between Canada and the United States that basically defends the skies above North America. So they they, they announced on February 2nd that NORAD was aware of the balloon and that they believed that it belonged to China and had been watching it for several days. It crossed over into U.S. airspace on January 29th, 28th near the Aleutian Islands, which is near Alaska, mm-hmm. and then moved across Alaska, entered into Canadian airspace over the Yukon and the Northwest Territories, which are two of our Arctic territories, on the 30th. It then flew southeast uh, over BC and crossed over into the U.S. into northern Idaho on the 31st and then into Montana on February 1st, where it was finally spotted by civilians. So they had considered shooting it down, but they decided not to because they were worried that if they had blown it up, that there would be debris that might injure people on the ground. So they were just they were just watching and waiting. Yeah, they were also interested in looking at it to see what its capacity was and like what kind of things like Studying. what it was doing. Yeah, they were. Yeah. It was a balloon that did not look like it had weapons on it or anything like that. So they were more interested in just seeing what it was doing and what it was up to and what it was interested in. Yeah. Um, the problem, though, is that uh, when it was spotted over Montana, people started to get a little concerned because Montana is one of the places where America keeps parts of its nuclear arsenal. Uh, the Malmstrom Air Force Base uh, is there, which also has um, many intercontinental ballistic missiles, the things that America oh. has prepared to destroy the world if ever need be. Cool. And they were worried that Love the that. balloon might be there to, you know, look at those when they're not supposed to. Yeah. And furthermore, there are other nuclear silos in nearby states. Uh, there's some in Montana, but there's also some in uh, North Dakota. There's some in Wyoming. So they're in the area where a lot of America's nuclear arsenal Gosh. is located. Boy, we have a lot, huh? Mm-hmm. Second most in the mm, world. Great. So they then try to figure out where it was going based on some studies of uh, weather patterns and things like that, and eventually narrowed it down to a place in Missouri, just no, uh, just a little bit cl- close to Kansas City on February 3rd. It was then reported to the Washington Post that the balloon was not derelict. It, it generally followed the jet streams, as I said, but it did uh, loiter when it neared yeah. uh, some places like Air Force bases and things like that. So it was an idea uh. that this was... 
a uh, there was this contention between China and America because America was saying that this was a spy thing and China was very publicly saying that this was a weather balloon that had gone that had gotten lost mm-hmm. um, but the fact that it was able to stop and maneuver near sensitive sites put some question marks yeah, onto it that has, has some steering capabilities yeah mm-hmm. yeah so then it was monitored for a few hours uh, by NORAD people uh, using their um, using aircraft because their radar was not super useful for it. Uh, mm-hmm. They flew an F-22 rapt, uh, Raptor to go look at things, and uh, they tried to use some some jamming to stop it from collecting information, and they gathered a little bit more information, including something called the U-2S, which is uh, one of America's uh, high-altitude flying airplanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might remember that there's like you need a very special type of airplane to fly at like, these very high altitudes because... Uh, this was this uh, balloon was hovering at about 60,000 feet, which is well above where airplanes are usually. Uh, but this one can fly at about 70,000 feet or 21,000 meters. So uh, it can actually get close enough to look at it and jam its uh, its radar capabilities. And then on January 4th, it got into the Carolinas where the FAA uh, closed airspace over the area and temporarily had one of the largest flight restrictions in U.S. history. They made mm-hmm. a uh, they made a no fly zone that is nearly double the size of Massachusetts and big than the one that's around Washington, D.C. Yeah, it was chaos. Yeah. Yeah. When it finally got over the water, that's when they decided to go and shoot it down. Uh, and they shot it down over uh, Surfside Beach in South Carolina. And uh, they shot it down with, for, for the nerds, they shot it down with a AIM uh, 9X Sidewinder missile that was fired from an F-22, which just this, this, just, this is one of my favorite facts that I learned about this in the part of dealing with America. And we've talked about America's military industrial complex weirdness in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. That that was the first time an F-22 had ever downed something. <laughs> <laughs> the first time? Yeah, the first uh, the first time a uh, F-22 had ever downed another flying thing. And it was the first time uh, an aircraft over U.S. territory had been downed since the Second World War. Oh, my gosh. So it was big in, like, some weird ways. Yeah. And so, for like, sure, so, for sure. And so the, this was the big event. This was, like, the big thing that everyone was talking this about. This is the big thing. Everyone's talking about this balloon. Everyone's... Saying it's a spy, is it like it's confirmed that it was a spy? It's not confirmed. They're just highly they highly suspect it. Um, Okay, but we'll get into. I'll get into a little bit later. But um, then 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 we we suddenly started seeing more of these. Uh, There was an object in Alaska detected less than a week later, where the uh, U.S. National Security Council basically said that this one is a lot smaller than the spy balloon that that, what they called the spy balloon that they Uh shot down. It was only about the size of a small car. It looked like uh, when people saw it, they described it as being a cylindrical floating cylinder. Okay. And it was detected on February 9th, and they sent a bunch of uh, E3 Century AWOC aircraft to go uh, look at it. Uh, and uh, F-35s were deployed to go and uh, make a visual inspection. And they found out that it wasn't like an aircraft that had people on it. They found that it was an unmanned thing. Another unmanned thing. Okay. Yeah, and uh, the people, though, what what threw people off is that some unnamed uh, people from intelligence who then contacted CNN said Uh what they saw was an object that, quote, interfered with their, their sensors and was seen as like a flying cylinder, which made people think like this was like, oh, this is getting some UFO territory because pilots oh. said they couldn't determine that there was a they couldn't find any means of propulsion on it. Uh-huh. And also told CNN that the object didn't appear to have surveillance equipment. So everyone's like, oh, so this is a floating cylinder. What is it's this? 
it's a floating rod. Mm-hmm. It's the immovable rod from D&D. Perfect. Someone just left it in the sky. Yeah. Uh, it was eventually shot down by an F-22 also, uh, over, uh, which makes it the, the, the F-22's second air-to-air yeah. kill. <laughs> I was going to say, what a week for F-22s, huh? Yeah. Uh, it turns out that they actually can launch. That's awesome. Good for them. The, the F-22 is the F-22 is not known for being uh, amazing. It's <laughs> it costs like ten billion dollars. <laughs> keep in mind, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like each one, like that's the thing you have to keep in mind. Uh, each one of these like F-22s costs like ten billion dollars. Each of those missiles is awesome. like ten million dollars in their own right too. Awesome. They should just that's like so label cool. like every time they fire one of these missiles, they should just be like uh, they should just measure it in how many full ride scholarships to Harvard it costs. <laughs> <laughs> depressing yeah the object then uh so the object they blew it up and it landed in the waters uh in the sea off of De- a place called dead horse in uh the territorial waters of the united states the coast guard and the fbi have been looking to find this object but at the moment like while people are you know talking about the whole chinese thing there's some people who think that this is a chinese balloon but honestly what they they have no idea what this object is for what its capacities were or even who made it so they don't know anything about it and unfortunately mm. It is February and it went down in the waters over the Arctic, which makes um, the recovery effort kind of complicated. That's true. Because uh, in the Arctic in the wintertime, the daylight hours are very small uh, because in the Arctic, uh, the the further north you go, the longer nights are during the winter. So so during the winter in the Arctic, um, sometimes in some places that's night, like almost 24 hours a day for several months. Hard to see. But still, it's going to be difficult and it's very cold. There's very bad weather. Worst time to be in the arctic is probably the arctic in february <laughs> yeah plus the last of us was on so people wanted to catch that instead of go what instead of go hunt down this thing mm-hmm. they got better things to do the problem is that at the moment we don't really know what they recovered they have they're sending out something to try and recover bits of this but it's going to be a long process and even if they do figure out what it is because of diplomacy and stuff like that we might not know what it is for a long time but that doesn't matter because yeah, we got sure. distracted quickly again where on february hey, 11th what? when another one showed up let's go baby another one uh, this one appeared over uh the yukon territory which uh if anyone doesn't know the yukon territory is part of canada's arctic territories and it is the part of the it's a part of canada that borders with alaska it's the part that makes the potatoes is that true i don't know maybe are there potatoes there what are yukon gold potatoes do they come from <laughs> they, they must like i think that's the only place called the yukon so i'll look i'll this is the most i'm gonna look this up this is important you continue with your silly balloon story okay so NORAD monitored the object for a little bit, uh, and then Justin Trudeau uh, pointed out that, like, yeah, it's time to take it down. So two F-22s from their joint base at Elmdorf-Richardson uh, tried helping while, uh, actually, the thing was taken down by uh, some 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 CF-18s, which uh, is interesting. Oh, so not f the F-22s helped trying to okay. monitor and find it. But this was actually taken down by CF-18s because that was uh, the, the that's the airplane of the Canadian Air Force because these were taken down by the Royal Canadian Air Force. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, because it eventually crossed over into Canadian airspace and so Canada took over. Um, yeah. Uh, follow up. Yes, they're from, potatoes are from Canada. Thank you, Canada, for your potatoes. <laughs> uh, they took it down because the uh, they, this, this object was flying at 40,000 feet and at 40,000 feet, 
feet, it is actually a risk to civilian air travel. So they didn't want to. Yeah, you don't want plane. Yeah, you don't want planes crashing into stuff. Mm -hmm. This this one was also cylindrical and uh, was shot down uh, on the orders of our defense minister, uh, Minister of National Defense, Anita Anand. Mm -hmm. And uh, the day after the Alaskan incident was shot down, it went down as well. And the problem, though, is that it went down over the Yukon and currently it's being searched for by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police or the RCMP, which are basically Canada's uh, federal police force. Okay. In pretty much every part of Canada that is far too rural to have its own police force, we have the RCMP. Um, All right. I think there's like, there are some provinces that have their own police, like Quebec and Ontario, I know have their own police forces, but in most of the country, the RCMP are the effective police. The problem though, is that the area is about 3,000 square kilometers in size or uh, 1,870 square miles. And it's a part of the country that is uh, Arctic with a lot of snowpack and also is uh, mountainous. So uh, some officials are saying that it's possible that this will never be recovered. But they are currently Mm. making a search uh, in coordination with Public Safety Canada and assistance from Yukon-based units of the Canadian Armed Forces. So big, lots of big searches for these things. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, hasn't been found, might never be found. But, but then, that's the last of them, right? That's the last, that's the third and final one. I have some bad news for you. Uh-oh. Um, the last one, which actually happened only 300 kilometers from me, oh. uh, happened near, uh, another one was spotted in, near the city of uh, Tobermory. I say city okay. generously, Tobermory is very small. But it's about a three-hour drive from where I live. You don't have to make Tobermory feel bad. Tobermory is a very pretty town. They got a lot going on right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, which did concern people because Tobermory is sort of close to a nuclear power plant. Oh, this, uh-huh. yeah, so this one was defined as being an octagonal shaped UFO. Okay. Uh, it was first detected on February 11th over Montana, and then it disappeared until it was seen the next day in Wisconsin, flying very low at 20,000 feet over the upper peninsula of Michigan. All right. Cool. Go Youpers. Cool, cool. Go, go Youpers. I'm from Michigan, but I'm from the lower one. The one that looks like a mitten. You're from the mitten. Okay. I'm from the mitten. Uh, NORAD tracked it and shot it down over Lake Huron by the orders of U.S. President Joe Biden on February 12th um, using a uh, Minnesota Air National Guard F-16. Ooh, a classic. Classic. The object was uh, was first looked at to be unmanned, but it led to a shutting down of the airspace over the over Lake Huron, and it was a part where like a reasonable amount of planes had to be grounded and stuff like that, like because it was a pretty big deal. That's why that one really made the news because this wasn't the Yukon, this was like the Great Lakes region. <laughs> yeah, uh, this one did like many of the other ones have no. It had no sense of self propulsion. Apparently, just moved with the wind, and it didn't just floating around. It also didn't emit any communication signals. It's just a thing in the sky. Mm-hmm. To the point where on Valentine's Day, uh, the White House, the White House spokesperson, John Kirby, point out that the intelligence community doesn't dismiss that this might have just been like a this might have actually been a weather balloon. Yeah, <laughs> they just were very <laughs> I, on very high guard. I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but I have my own thoughts about some of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it, the object fell into Lake Huron, approximately 15 nautical miles from the shore of the upper peninsula of Lake Michigan, likely in very deep water. Again, although the weather here is fairly nice right now it's getting colder and we've had some very windy sort of uh conditions so it's been tough to find but it's very likely that it's going to be a pretty tough project to get because lake huron is very big and very deep (laughs) 
Um, yeah, it's a great, some would say it's a great lake. Mm-hmm. There's also some issues because they don't know which side of the border it might have fallen into, and it might have actually fallen into Canadian waters. So uh, they're gonna, it's going to take longer because there's got to be coordination between the United States and the Canadian, um, I don't know, lake defense or whatever, <laughs> people who are going to go... Sure. <laughs> Yeah, the lifeguards. Yeah, <laughs> the lifeguards are gonna get it. Yeah, they both uh, whistled and jumped off their little platforms into the lake and are swimming mm-hmm. fifteen nautical miles out to go get it. Yeah. So that's so like all these objects show up in a very short amount of time, and everyone's like, "What the hell is going on?" Um, things What's are st- yeah happening. Things are still in motion, and there's still a lot of things to follow up in the weeks to come. But the best possible theory that I have come across comes from a tech reporter by the name of Rebecca Jones, who did a tweet thread about this um basically lining up what likely happened and why we saw so many balloons in such a short time Mm -hmm. and that is uh when you're doing spatial science in the case of like studying radar and satellite data you use technology to filter out noise that you can identify the actual objects you're looking for she explained it as trying to find a tennis ball on a beach using a 3d scan of the beach you know how big a tennis ball is so you take the data from the beach and tell the computer to find a round object that is approximately the size of a tennis ball Uh. because otherwise it would take a lot longer to find the tennis ball if you had to sift through every small object that was on the beach and reviewed it one by one. So they ignore everything that doesn't look like a tennis ball. A lot of the stuff, the radar and satellite technology that was um, set up to monitor uh, the skies of North America were Mm -hmm. designed for detecting aircraft. So we know that aircraft are a certain size. They move across uh, how they move across space. So they got these like filters. Yeah, Yeah, we've got these filters to be like, you don't have to scan everything in the sky because there's birds. There's, you know, Superman. You know, we just were looking for planes, especially specifically ones I would imagine that aren't, you know, registered to be doing stuff. They're looking for like, if you find a plane, be like, all right, well, that one is actually fly. That's just like, that's flying. That's fine. We know that plane. That's on. That's a that's Southwest Airlines. But we but yeah, they're looking for others for for stuff in that range and not just literally everything that's in the Mm -hmm. sky. Yeah. NORAD is particularly focused in looking for airplanes, missiles and Santa. Um, Fucking narcs. Leave Santa alone. Yeah. So that's like the main thing is that they're trying to look for these things. When the balloon, when the when the first balloon incident happened, NORAD uh, was looking for more of them. So they reduced the filter sensitivity to allow smaller yeah. objects to pass through. And they're picking up uh, more of these small, slow moving objects that usually in the past had been filtered out. It's like if you turned off the filter on the beach and found a bunch of seashells, coins and rings and stuff like that while looking for tennis balls. And exactly. Um, this is what I was going to say. This, this is this was my thought as well is like, yeah, when you find when you find the first one, then suddenly you're like, let's adjust our filters to find similar ones. And then my personal thought is they're probably just finding a bunch of sky trash. Yeah. I think I think they're just they're just finding sky trash trash in the sky. Yeah, because when they adjusted the filters to look for balloons, they found there's actually a lot of things out there because people do different parts of like research. People do things mm-hmm. for like balloons for communication. There's all sorts of like people and people do balloons for spycraft. Like all of these, like there are lots yeah. of balloons out there. We literally and again, like because of the release schedule of this podcast, it's it's a little bit wonky. But in the episode, if you're listening to this on the public feed, the main feed, there will be an episode soon 
June about the Phoenix Lights, where we talked about how there was a time where someone for no explainable reason tied flares to balloons and sent them into the sky just because apparent, I guess because they were bored. (laughs) And so like that stuff happens, you know? So, you know, and, you know, there's like people doing like science, like, you know, science class experiments of just like things floating in the sky or whatever, you know, like, or, or yeah, personal, I there's just stuff in the sky. But there's also like uh, more serious stuff, like weather balloons that are put up to do meteorological research, um, specifically like also like studying places like the Arctic for like cl- climate change research and all that kind of stuff. Uh, furthermore, uh, there's a lot of stuff, like there are a lot of balloons used in spycraft, just like the, the one that was reportedly, allegedly shot, uh, shot down earlier. And that, and the thing is that when they turn off the filter, they found that there's a lot of things out there. And because of the heightened sort of awareness and the, the nervousness, they shot down a bunch of them that looked like they were doing suspicious things or in suspicious places, like following the same path of the previous balloon or being near nuclear power plants or whatnot. Right. And this seems like the most likely answer to me. I I would agree. I mean, it seemed, especially with the idea of the remaining three having no form of communication really built inside of it that we could detect or really a way to steer or do really anything. Like it just feels like sky trash to me. Yeah. And it all comes down to a lot of the ones that were shot down subsequently might have just been weather balloons or research balloons or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But some of them might be spy equipment. China denies that the first balloon is a spy balloon, but there seems to be a decent paper trail that says otherwise. Mm-hmm. But I will also say, because I know that I've I've got to, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't like taking sides uh, too often. I will say that it's pretty goddamn rich for America to make the shock Pikachu face over this and scare people about it because there's <laughs> high tensions with China and uh, a lot of fear that like, you know, because America is an empire in decline and that there's a growing new empire in decline uh, that is like, you know, on the rise, that there's a lot of anxiety and tension that could lead to some dangerous situations. This happened in the UK with Germany, fear of Germany before World War One. if anyone remembers uh, in our episode about the balloon, the, the Zeppelin uh, incident over mm-hmm. Western America, that there was mm-hmm. a lot of that, like there that as Dr. McDougall said, that the British had all these stories about Germans, uh, like like fictional things, because basically what was happening is Amer- or at that point, Britain was the empire in decline and Germany was the empire on the rise. And so there was a lot of anxiety in mm-hmm. Britain over uh, a rising German power. But Making the, the, as I said, making the shock Pikachu face about like, how could you possibly spy on us, China, when I can, I don't, I don't have to research to say that 150% the U.S. has a whole network of balloons doing the exact same thing everywhere on Earth. And that these things are probably a fairly common sight. And the only reason why they made such a big deal about it is because it made it into the like normie press. Yeah, it's because people saw it. It's because normal folks saw it. And, and, and that's the only thing. And which is not to say that it's not that it's nothing. Right. It's not to say that it's nothing. But it's just like the only reason that that people are talking about it is because, yeah, somebody because saw one. Somebody just saw it. Yeah. But like these things like China is making these things. America, I would imagine America has like 15 times these things. Um, that's my that, that's just like out there. Like every country is doing this. Um, this is one of the things about geopolitics that I always find very amusing is that um, like every every country is spying on every other country. That, that, that is just 
just a that is just a fact about the world. Uh, but every time one gets exposed, every country is like, oh my God, I am shocked. I cannot believe this. <laughs> a balloon to spy? That's unheard of. What could China possibly need to worry about with American power? What mm-hmm. like Anyways, um, it does feel it does feel like there's a there's a point where it, it almost looks like because we're just now shooting down so many things, it does make it almost feel like there's uh, some anxiety and some uh, severe paranoia going on. Yeah, yeah, uh, everyone's getting wound up. So, but the thing is, when it comes to these like heightened geopolitical situations, my guess. Whenever, whenever uh, empires clash like this, my assumption is everybody is lying. Um, uh, the Americans are lying. The Chinese are lying. Everyone is lying because this is a this is a geopolitical Cold War tension situation. So they're all just posturing to try and win the story. Yeah. Um, so as tensions between China and the U.S. get higher, expect more and even dumber events like this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and if everyone's lying, that means that it's probably aliens. <laughs> I feel like this is one of those situations like the aliens, like they like they would come down to mess with us or like, look, we are like so afraid of ourselves. It seems like what like what are we going to (laughs) do? Like, what are they? Yeah, they just need to like if they if they had any malicious intent, all they have to do is sit back and wait. (laughs) Yeah. Now, look, we and we've talked about this before. We talked about this a couple times throughout the show. Obviously, uh, all sorts of stuff is still evolving around uh, of around this situation and we've even talked about before about how like you know if there are aliens out there you and i will be the first ones who will be so excited about it so we're definitely not we're not saying until we get more info though it feels more likely that it's not Mm -hmm. It, it feels more likely that it's just stuff in the sky put there by humans than aliens. Yeah, what, what I will say that will be like sort of a, a takeaway from this whole thing is that like we are, um, we are the first generation to have grown up without knowing the Cold War in our childhood and in the past, in the 20th century, the people who are older than us so probably the many dads who listen to this podcast probably remember that during the Cold War shit like this happened all the time where this like they would catch a Russian spy or a Russian spy craft or something like that and there'd be a big freak out over it america would pretend like they'd never spy on the soviets ever and the soviets would be like is the weather balloon <laughs> and, and it would be a big internet it would be like an international incident where you know everybody is lying and uh it's just part of the sort of cold war tensions we are just in another cold war and We're that exact same thing is happening um mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, but for us who you know are y- us younger people who don't remember the cold war are going to see these as big and weird events for a while because um yeah. we weren't around to see like sometimes like sometimes the cold war got a lot scarier like there were times when like uh the soviet shot down an airplane and stuff like that and it got like very uh mm. tense but uh these kinds of things will happen especially because we're entering into a bipolar world when we spend our entire lives living under the basically a uh, basically living under a world order where the united states controlled was like undoubtedly the most powerful country on earth mm-hmm. and there was really nobody who could challenge them china can challenge the United States now and already is in a sort of regional context. That's why, like, if you want to really think about it, that is why, like, Russia can, like, you know, like, 
thump, stick its thumb up its nose about or thumb its nose at the United States uh, when it is mm-hmm. invading or attempting to invade Ukraine right now. Um, right. They wouldn't have been able to get away with that, you know, 20 years ago. But because of the sort of changing power balance in the world, I think that they have the space to do it. This is going to be furthermore, the, this is going to be more and more the thing. And that is going to be the the new state of affairs. And to us who don't know anything except a world where America controls everything, that's going mm-hmm. to be really scary for a while, especially because America's got a, America and China both have very complacent media that will basically report anything they say without any criticism, uh, which means that all of the news that America Americans are likely to get from major news sources are going to be uh, just 100% pro-America stuff. Same with China. Like, and so we're never going to get a good view of the story unless you are very skeptical. So... Uh, Just knowing we are entering into a new war where uh, information and winning the narrative is going to be the big deal. And Mm. uh, so keep in mind that every time you see a a, a balloon story happen, it might be two countries that are trying to appear like they are the good guys in a story where there are no good guys. (laughs) Or it also could be nothing. It could just be just something out of the sky that is nothing. If you really really want to know, um, to kind of put it all in a bow on it uh there is a very great song that is literally about people seeing and misreporting on something in the sky and it leading to nuclear war which is 99 red balloons (laughs) so um (laughs) 99 red balloons is like literally about um misreporting balloons as nuclear warheads and it leading to an exchange between the the sides of the cold war and annihilating the whole planet balloons have got it out for us so we're back in the cold war the whole time cold war to everybody yeah the balloons are the balloons are plotting the 99 red balloons balloons are back and they're 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 here for revenge and as we talked about there's not that this isn't a story to pay attention to but there are also more important stories like what we talked about at the start with uh brianna Brianna gay Gay. Mm -hmm. um also i don't know if you know this in the states there's there's the death of tyree nichols as well so there's a lot more important stories i would say right now to pay attention to in the moment uh and like like tristan said at the start we'll have links to charities and such in the description of this episode you can also if you liked this breaking news edition of probs not let me get let me get the bell again breaking news edition of probs not aliens i will say that um this is sort of an experiment so if you liked this format and you wish us to do more emergency pods uh that would be good feedback to get right now the best place to tell us at probs and aliens on twitter or all the other social media stuff we'll put in the uh description tristan where can people find more of your stuff i know that you've got a big video about uh trans rights and things like that. i do yes uh so i have a youtube channel called step back uh, where I talk about where I talk about why the past is important for understanding the present to shape the future. Uh, and uh, my most recent video is uh, called There Has Always Been Trans People. And I'm very proud of it. And especially in the sort of context of the uh, last couple weeks, I think is a very important statement to say. Although I think I have a of a new video on a much dumber topic coming out very soon as well. <laughs> uh, uh, but Scott, yeah, well, if I wanted to know whether or not I should like the HBO Max streaming show Velma made by Mindy Kaling. Where would I need to find out exactly what Scott thinks? Log on to the internet. People are talking about it. Um, But if you want to hear my thoughts, yeah. 
You can uh, go to my YouTube channel, NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C, all one word. Uh, that's where I make videos. I've got a couple other smaller videos coming out like that Velma one. People seem to like me just talking to my camera without any fancy editing or anything like that. So uh, as I'm getting set up in my new space, I'm going to just make a, a handful. Of, I'm going to challenge myself to make, make a video a week for like a month just to force myself to get back in the habit of nice. making making videos. So hopefully we'll have stuff soon. More Scooby-Doo stuff, some Marvel stuff. People like when I did that. That's sort of what I built my channel around in the past. So, uh, yeah, if you just want to know my thoughts about things, goofing and gaffing and laughing and all that good stuff, uh, follow me there. And thank you to everyone who listens to this show and writes reviews on Apple podcasts and other platforms really does help us out we've been we've been growing a lot and uh we want more we'll never be satisfied more views more listens i want more of it so uh tell your friends it's the best way to share right, the show props at aliens.com on a balloon and release it into yep. the sky <laughs> and then if it gets shot down that's that's more publicity for us people will be like it had a mysterious url on it it had this we'll just do a qr code people will be like what is this alien writing Scan it with your phone, probsnotaliens.com. Yeah, tell your uh, friends. And, uh, and yeah, and you can get episodes uh, a week early on Nebula. Yeah, go to nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens. And we'll be back next week for, uh, for more stuff. For finally episode 68. Yep. This was episode 70. We're going to hit episode 68 next week. Yep. <laughs> it's confusing. Anyway, until then, my name is Scott Nicewander. I'm Tristan Johnson, and the truth is out there. Probably, but definitely not on the news. I did way too much for a story about a balloon. It was really interesting, though.